The following presentation was produced by the Buddhist Society of Victoria. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. Who is here with us tonight to do some meditation? I can't see you. I think we're all looking at a screen with a lotus on it. And through that lotus, you're hearing my voice. So it's uh, an interesting abstraction. But anyway, wonderful you could join us. And I'll just introduce myself. Uh, my name is Chi Kuang, and my monastic title is Sanim. So my name is Chi Kuang Sanim. And I'm a Korean Buddhist nun who lived in Korea for about 20 years and have been now back in Australia for 22 years. So I'm once again an Aussie, I guess. But part of uh, my going to Korea was because I had started Buddhism in a Theravada tradition and lived in the very, not the first monastery, the second monastery, so helped establish the second monastery called Wat Buddha Dhamma out of Wiseman's Ferry. And from there, I heard about Korean Buddhism and took a, a liking to this format. The practicing Korea is one of um, a very old practice of Son, which is a form of um, Chinese Chan, and also within the lineage of Zen from Japan and another lineage in Vietnam. But our lineage came directly from China and is called Son. So I studied in the Son meditation tradition, and I also studied in the Sutric tradition where my nun, Bikuni nun teacher, is a famous Bikuni with great knowledge in the Zen Sutras and in the Mahayana Sutras. So my path uh, has sprung out of that uh, wonderful time I had in Korea, and it has grown here to adapt with where I'm living now, which is in King Lake in Victoria, Australia. And tonight, I'm going to talk to you about a practice uh, that, well, I've adapted many practices based on what I learned in Korea for the benefit of people here. But primarily, it is to help develop what we call a hadu practice, which is to exhaust our thoughts, empty our mind of words. And it is similar to the sibling, which is called the koan practice. Uh, many people in the Japanese Zen tradition practice what is called a koan. And this uh, is what is called a public case. It means a story between two great masters, something that became known to people, and they work on that public case. But the Hadoing career is, you might say, the essence of that case. It is what eliminates the thinking mind and allows us to directly point to the source of our thoughts, the source of mind, so to speak, and hopefully um, overcome what we call the great doubt, overcome our confusion and our illusions in this uh, 
in this world we live through this practice. However, today, as I mentioned, it is only an introduction to this uh, great pra practice of what we call thisness or thusness. And we use an inquiry called what is this? And we learn to develop that. Um, it's a quiet, it's a, a sensing into a thisness, you know, thisness in every moment. It is also a very effective means to attaining a very deep and interconnected uh, state, which we also can call the unborn, uh, widely used in, in the Chinese and uh, Japanese practice. This word unborn, again, is before what arises in the mind. It can be a roar and a very deeply personal practice, but we enter into a, an alert inquiry where everything you do is illuminated by this essential focus. And it becomes this sensation of unknowing or not knowing, or as Master Sing Sang Sing coined, I don't know mind. It is said, awakening into this beginningless beginning, a phrase used in Zen, which was the state where the Buddha initially uh, overcame his ignorance and suffering um, after practicing for many, many years in, you know, um, very difficult ascetic practices. He found what is called the, the middle way. He found the way not to overly torture the body and at the same time not to be too lax. And so we tend to model our physical practice on this posture where the back is strong, the belly is soft, and the heart and chest are open, and the hands, they rest in either on our lap or in a mudra with the thumbs touching in our tradition. And if the feet are on the ground, they're placed squarely, the shoulder width, and we sit in this upright position, whether it is with our legs crossed or our feet on the ground. I'll talk a little bit about, more about this practice. Um, we all have that very great capacity as humans to enter into uh, a deep experience where we can allow whatever is happening for us to just unfold moment by moment in a very undivided way. It does require skillful means to develop through the training of meditation. And it also requires us to understand what the precepts are and how to keep our vows. Two, it requires at least some good basic, if not um, a good understanding of the Buddhist teachings. And preferably if you have developed in one path for a long time, to explore and open yourself to the teachings in the other path. But most important is to work with an experienced teacher, if only when you're in need of direction. Very few of us really hit 
a ball into the hole in one go, although it does happen. So I will guide you and allow these, I want you to allow the words and the experience to just take you into a, this moment, into what I'm saying. Um, we are here to raise a strong intention. So our intention is to be present with this practice. We can acknowledge, we may have a practice and we can acknowledge that practice and we can come back to it. But for this session, to benefit the most from it, I suggest we hold an intention to deeply stay with this practice for a for this, you know, next 30, 40 minutes or so. And we also have the intention that we are sharing whatever benefits we arise from this practice with all those here who are practicing with us and also those who are part of our lives, our colleagues, our family, friends, and those we know and those we don't know, including all sentient beings. So we always offer the merits and offer our good intentions back to others. I will suggest that you observe what the mind is doing at any moment, whether you have thoughts or you don't have a storyline of thinking, even in stillness, just noting that presence of mind, that attentive focus in this moment. If I mention the breath or a sound or a body part, we just take our attention there. We're not trying to hold on to fixedly, not sitting intensely, overly focused intensely. You know, an excessive focus actually has very strong um, a desire in it and even have aversion there. So we hold a gentle focus, an open focus, and we allow things to be present. It's not a body scan, nor is it for, um, you know, in some way uh, rejecting any practice you do, but it is to gain a state of um, presence over a state of necessarily trying to attain a samadhi or a state of peace. When you're distracted, you just gently come back. I mean, these are all basic instructions. Most of you sitting out there will have heard this and practiced for quite some time. So I'm just speaking very much to beginners here. A thoughtless thought process, which is sometimes referred to in the practice of Hwadu, is you have to use a thought to enter a place that is thoughtless. That is, enter the place where, or the source of where thinking comes from. And it is also called the head of speech. So that place where thoughts and speech arise. If you're drifting into thinking, we can just ask the question gently to ourselves, who is thinking now? These are just a tool. And if I ask you, um, 
to do something in the sense to focus in some place and you're not uh, you're not there or you're not able to be there with that that's fine you just stay with what it is you're focused on but there is a reason for for taking you where i'm taking you tonight we aren't putting anything down and at the same time we're not trying to as i said um, hold on to anything you know you using it for tonight if it's useful you can grow this practice and you might ask well, what is if i don't know you know what is i come to a place i don't know then it's just i don't know because i will ask that question in the evening if the pointer points to objects a bodily part or sensing other surface clothing whatever it is then we look beyond the two and we take that attention right into that place they meet and when we place a thought say on a sensation of sound we again enter into that vibratory experience of sound even if it has no label you know it's beyond an interpretation we just enter into that experience nothing is ever quite what we think or have experienced before so we just remain open and spacious and drop into what is going on now it may be an instant uh, extinguishing of a field of confusion that happens and that's very wonderful but even not attached to that and you will go more deeply into a seamless uncontrived and ed edgeless pause and i say edgeless means there's no separation just read this little poem and then we will start with the meditation little poem i put together is called process the process the process takes care of itself just listening touching life itself as it unfolds onto a nano moment of entering into and stepping off onto the path of coming home and in every unfolding circumstance it is there waves folding back into the ocean the wheel rolling on an unnamed road in an affixed abode unaffixed abode unable not not to listen where choice vanishes and freedom sprout on a hard edge not knowing reconfirmed in a nameless sound what is this So let's begin with our meditation some of you may already be still alert we are going to enter through touch tonight's meditation is where one physical component meets another or other 
begin with, we will notice the air as it touches the bodily part where it enters, such as the nostrils. The mouth is slightly open, perhaps through the mouth. As we take a deep breath, we just enter into this body through that door, that sensation of touch. The air touching. It's entrance door. And again, as it exits, we notice the breath leaving from that point. A few moments, we just are entering and leaving through that experience and that sensation of touch. They have a texture. And they have a temperature. We don't have to be too concerned. We just are coming, touching, passing that moment. And observing in the body how it is connecting. time I want you to notice where a piece of clothing touches somewhere on the neck or the shoulders and what you feel between the softness of the clothing and the texture of your skin of course you may Notice first the flesh, the fullness of the flesh in that area. And take that observation a little bit closer. To what is smooth. And other, it may be difficult to put a label to to distinguish the actual texture or the pressure or again the heat or temperature. There's more connection between something 
bodily against something that is on the body in this case. Noting how when we bring our focus and attention to that point, place where those two textures meet it is if we're almost breathing from that place we're fully engaged in what is happening there other things happen slight bodily alignment or movement we just come back To a material texture against the physical bodily texture of skin and flesh. Of course, if you're not feeling this, we do not have to be too worried. We just a general focus in this area. You're not used to feeling the clothing maybe in a certain part of the body. Such as the neck, but as we enter there, something special happens. This is to draw our curiosity into that. an inquiry there is this and this happening but at the same time it is not quite that we often want to go further in the body and notice any discomfort or but today we're just going to stay more and though those other moments arise bringing it back to how this body fits in its environment how it's placed how it's connected next breath we're going to go down where the buttock is seated on a soft cushion. Again, we may notice the weight and the pressure. It's a hard chair. There's a firmness against the softness of the buttock. You may notice that whole region. That's just bringing that attention in between one surface meeting the other. 
very important. We recognize how we touch the world and how the world touches us. Through the things we utilize in our life, the things we wear, the things we're holding. We give little thought to it. In this moment, we're noting the buttock and maybe part of the legs, the upper legs. Are on the cushion or the chair. What does that feel like? Of course, there's a lot of pressure, maybe heat. Can we meet in the middle? There's always little space, even though one thing merges into the other. We're observing down there, we're just breathing down there, relaxing right down into the seat. Taking our attention to a spot. large area so we can allow the attention to explore maybe some parts have a stronger interaction than other parts maybe we are absorbed in the harder heatier part or absorbed in the softer And we even experience the, the clothing between the buttock and the cushion, or the buttock and the chair, or the cloth of the cushion and the, the cloth on the clothes. Something to explore, something to look into, another unknown. What are our hands resting on? Are they resting on our legs or our thighs or our knees? Or they may be even resting higher in the body as in the, the abdomen. Actually, our hands are resting on the clothes that cover that body. The clothes are shaped by our form. Shaped by the flesh, the muscles. Again, taking some part of where our hands rest against 
clothing. Take our attention down to our feet. The lower part of our legs, our ankles, there. We're seated on the ground, but some part that again is touching the ground, touching the shoe, the sole of the shoe. Few layers there, perhaps the sock against the sole of the shoe, whether it be rubber or leather or no shoes, maybe just bare feet on a carpet or bare feet on a wooden floor. Take that focus again where the body meets and enters. This other surface. And look for that separation. Is there any separation? It's the vibration. What is vibrating? Is experiencing that? Take the whole body, the whole body in its clothing, either without shoes, either without a hat, you have gloves or other accessories, a scarf. You take this whole body in its clothing. You'll experience this whole body and its environment. Our eyes are slightly open, we're touching light. 
comes in the shape and forms that surround us. They're closed, we may be touching the environment around us through the auditory experience, the vibratory experience of sound, close, in proximity, and distant. quite what we think it is. So we have to listen. The physical ear is very magnificent physical form. Enters out there. field of vibratory experience. Seamless, uncontrived way. We want to make that sound, we can't. It's an experience. You're experiencing too, the hearer and the heard, and you have not entered into deep listening. Nothing to push away, nothing to let go of. It's always there. When we attune to it, it's a great teacher. The greater teacher comes out of inquiry. I'm going to ask you in this moment 
Who is listening? What is listening? And I want you to answer in this way, a simple, direct way. I don't know. I simply don't know. This don't know mind we can utilize to grow an inquiry or a huddle. Develop the sensation of not knowing. Curious, open capacity to bearing witness. Great unknown is called the great doubt, not a skeptical doubt. It's where all that we thought we know absorb into this one place. It's a very, very strong and powerful place. understand what is meant by beginningless, just have to open and listen. Where does the sound not appear? Just as the body is clothed and supported by various forms that hold it, protect it, so too this beginningless primordial sound has always been there.
We enter into that. And the beginningless beginning opens up into the gateless gate. The unborn.
next few minutes. Gently coming back. Noting our feet on the ground. Patik on the cushion. Entering those spaces again. But allowing the fullness of experience to be there too. Both specific and yet embracing or opening. We're embodying the whole clothing that covers the body. It's part of the body, part of the fabric of who we are. And we're coming back to where the breath as a part of the body it enters. Through the nostrils, sensation as it touches, when it enters. in the body, every cell, and where it touches as, as it exits. And through that breath as it exits, we enter the universe in mysterious ways. Uh, the door the day we enter and pass through this door innumerable times. Nourishing infinite parts within and without, seen and unseen. Experienced and not. We can only live in wonder of what this body and mind is capable of knowing.
like to open your eyes. You can keep meditating and I'd like to um, invite you, if you have a question, to put it into its appropriate place. I can't think what it's called now. And Langdon will read out any of the questions for me. So thank you for joining us. And I hope the meditation experience was of some value and purpose for you. Thank you, Chikwan. Oh, it's Shrejus. Yes, it is. We've, I've come on uh, as we've sort as we've been trying to sort out a technical issue in the midst of the um, meditation. Um, <laughs> there's uh, no questions that have come in as yet, but if you type your question into the YouTube live chat, um, I'll read them out. And may still be meditating. Well, if there's no questions, nothing come along. No, nothing's coming in here as yet. While we're waiting for some questions to come in, um, perhaps you could share a little bit more about um, the practice you use. Mm -hmm. Well, tonight was really just a little bit of an introduction into how to observe in a, a way that makes us inquire a little bit more into what we're doing. I mean, that is the insight aspect of what some would call Vipassana. In, in Korea, it is more a dialogue that we enter through meeting with the teacher and uh, a story is shared that we cannot answer, give rise to anything we can think of. So in that way, we can enter into what is called the doubt or the hwadu. And, um, but the actual practice, even though we inquire as we're doing our daily practice meditation or our daily activities, we have this sort of um, an ongoing inquiry that's happening. It's usually very subtle. And after a while, it becomes very subtle. It's just when you pick up something and hold it, there is that curiosity between what it is you're holding and its relationship with the body in that moment. And so, of course, you have the sensation something might be cold or hot, or, but there are other 
subtle vibratory things happening or there is a, a relationship there that you're looking into. And this grows so that everything in your life becomes a part of this inquiry until at some point what we say or what is said, this great doubt breaks open. And when the great doubt breaks open, then we are free. <laughs> we have, um, we're no longer obstructed with the self-view, with a, an eye in there, or, you know, the, the desires that rule and run the life. And I have seen uh, and met people who have had this very great awakening. I mean, in, I'm talking about something very great. And um, they're usually very profound people, you know, people who have enormous capacity to help others and alleviate the suffering of others. Of course, this is just one technique that was developed in China. And it was actually a very popular technique with people who were um, less literate, you know, that didn't read as much or didn't have that capacity to see teachers very often. So they developed through working often, working in the fields, or working quite laborious work to develop this practice. So in the, uh, when I was in Korea, you know, we had the two main meditation seasons a year for three months. And we sat between 10 and 15, 16 hours a day in meditation in the one spot, in the one room with many others and where we ate and where we slept. So you became very sensitized to every little detail of that environment. And in a way, the ego naturally d diminishes there. <laughs> the self doesn't have much room to, to abide in, you know, ways that absorb others. And so we um, practiced, but then we had have the, what we called the free seasons, the autumn and spring, where we had more freedom to go and travel and study with other teachers or go on these long adventurous walks through the mountains, sometimes, you know, just traveling to see teachers. So there was always a, a very full life, you know, seasons were full of particular activities. Spring and autumn were times that we planted and, and um, prepared pickles for the winter. winter. Um, and then there were, you know, this sort of, free time in between where you developed a way to relax and um, just discover the self in a gentle way in nature, through nature, and become very entwined with nature and sound, especially living in the mountains. And also the daily habits were very distinct in, in certain seasons. Mm. Thank All you, right. Chief.
We have one question that's come through so far. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how can one recognize this empty state of awareness while going through one's daily life activities? Mm. It doesn't have to be empty. Uh, it just has to be an ongoing inquiry. Yes, of course, in meditation, we do tend to um, empty out, especially in that meditation of listening to sound or entering into sound. But everything you do in your daily life requires your attention. And it is this attention that enables us to, you know, really develop, say, the mindful aspect or the uh, present-minded aspect of it. But it is the quiet inquiry. You can have an inquiry even when you're talking to somebody. There is something that is witnessing what is going on. And um, I sometimes have given an example that if you've lost a set of car keys, you know, you put them down somewhere and you go to bed and you remember you can't remember where they are and you've got to get up at a certain time and get to work and there's no option. The next day you have a board and meeting, you've got to be there. From the time you don't recall where you've put them down, you do all the other things, you know, you have your meal, you talk to the family, you have a shower, you, you know, put on your pajamas or whatever and you get up and you still put your slippers on and go and clean your teeth and get dressed and have a breakfast but you never forget there's something in the back of the mind that is looking and searching and it's urgent so you can develop this practice it is practice that actually works very well with ordinary life and it can, um, rather than, you know, the highs and lows of everyday life and the things we like against, pitching against the parts we don't like or the problems we have with this one or that one or ourselves, then in and amongst all of that, what will bring the equanimity and smooth your life out a little bit or, you know, allow you to be engaged on those different levels is this capacity to have developed a very deep inquiry into, you know, the nature of self or the what is it component or the I don't know component sometimes is an easier way. I know people who always have just this open bewilderment, so to speak, because they've developed this, they still function in a very, very sharp clear and attentive way they just have less to say about it mm. um, I don't know if that's helpful but you know I know you can practice in your everyday world and your everyday lives and still establish um, you know a great center in this practice mm. thank you Chiquan uh, there's no further questions, so um, well, we... <laughs> we might call it an evening. And um, yeah. anyway, I'd like to thank everybody, whoever's out there, um, for joining me tonight. 
and joining us. You know, in a way where when we sit together, it's a very um, connected way of uh, entering into practice together, whether it's through a screen or not. So do come back for other teachings. I, I guess many of you come back every week and um, continue to practice and bring in the elements of one practice into the other. And they all meet up. So with my hands together, I wish you well. And uh, again, may the benefits of this practice be shared among all living beings, seen and unseen, and especially those who are close to you and in your circle of friends and family and others not so close. And look after yourselves. Thank you. And thank you, Shrijith. And Langdon, thank you. <laughs> okay. Good night.